You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Antonia Armento. Good to see you. That was perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, not too bad. Look, when I'm reading <laughs> off names, it's like I want to get it correct. And I'm like, as soon as I start the first word, I immediately go, I already messed it up. And then you start overthinking and then anxiety. Uh... Well, having people mispronounce my name is my entire life. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm pretty used to it. Mine's like the opposite. I always just got made fun of because my name was like saying it twice as Robbie Robertson. And people are like, oh, like the guitar player. I'm like, oh, you're mean. Thank you. Right. <laughs> well, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and if you want what you do professionally? Absolutely. Um, I am 48 years old. I uh, own a food truck and catering company in uh, rural Wyoming out here in Sheridan in the Wild West, as we like to refer to it. I started apprenticing when I was 13, um, multi-generational. My mom's mom owned a restaurant. My family owned a restaurant and catering company. Um, I didn't really want to be a chef. I really wanted to be a jockey because I'm not very big. So I ended up being a pastry chef instead. Um, I really enjoy cooking. I enjoy gardening, community. Uh, I have three grown kids ranging from 24 to 30. Um, just out here living the dream, man, trying to keep it real during this craziness. Well, how'd you even decide to buy a food truck? Like, I mean, if you're going through so much, like, you know, culinary experience, first of all, even being a pastry chef, like you went and designed your own food truck or created your own food truck to be able to deliver meals. Like literally you told me I can't be on the podcast right now because I'm out delivering meals. I'm like, hold on a second. This is like an Uber Eats, but it's a meals on wheels service, but it's a like, it's an actual like company business owner like yourself it's actually staying connected with the people i mean i saw some of your story videos you were tossing burritos through people's windows i was like whoa yes, that's I was. <laughs> we have um that dude is a really good friend of mine brady mclean at go fast don't die um our our hobbies were really into moto culture um my husband and i just i'm sure you probably followed along we had a crazy road trip down to colorado to go to new harley because uh, I didn't want it to be stranded in the zombie apocalypse. So, <laughs> um, food trucking, though. So I am a world-class master chef. Um, I've been very fortunate to have a wild career. I was the personal chef to Phil Knight, the founder of Nike Corporation, um, worked for Safeway and helped design and incorporate their organics line. I've had a really phenomenal culinary career, and I also was in private service to uh, wealthy people. And after a while, you just kind of get burnt out on that. And uh, private service actually brought us here to Sheridan for um, a wealthy family from the South. And we did that for about two years, along with gardening and handyman and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and I just realized I didn't really want to do that anymore. And so uh, after having been married to my husband, at that time, we were married for about eight years. And I said, hey, babe, what do you want to do? Because Brian does all kinds of stuff. He's a construction worker and uh, professional snowmobile guide and backcountry outfitter. And I said, what, what would you really like to do? And we had lived up at a remote location lodge outside of Jackson Hole at 10,000 feet elevation, where there is like 30 feet of snow, 10 months out of the year, no exaggeration. 
and you can't breathe up there. I mean, the oxygen levels up there got to be super low. So that's where a lot of the crazy things come in. I get it. Dude, they are. Exactly. We're all low on, <laughs> on oxygen, high on crazy. It was all right. Um, so, of course, at that time, we were all watching Food Network. And we were like, dude, we could do this. We could do this. And and a kind of a faraway dream from five years ago uh, when it came back around and I asked Brian what he wanted to do. He said, let's open a food truck. Because the original logic was that we could do it in the summertime here in Wyoming where the weather's great. And then in the winter, we could go away and do it other places. And of course, with the rise and trend of mobile vending, regulations started to get tougher and it was harder to travel. And our business also really took off here in our small town. Um, we do a lot of local fresh organic and sourced farm to table cuisine. Um, in my farmer's market stuff while I was still working for private people, I met a lot of producers who didn't have enough sales volume to make a viable living. And I kept saying, God, these people have awesome product. They have this beautiful beef and phenomenal vegetables. And how can we create a larger market for them? And so when Brian said he wanted to open a food truck, I said, okay, but it's gotta be gourmet. It's gotta be healthy. It's gotta be good for people. And so we reached out to all those local producers and now we put over $40,000 a year back into our local economy, um, supporting small scale agriculture and in turn making really awesome food that people will come and get in your driveway. <laughs> so, well, it's insane because like the food truck service, if you want to look at the restaurant service in general, for so long, we've been going to places to get our food. Maybe if you, besides the average guy, maybe selling strawberries on the side of a freeway or something. But when it comes to food trucks, you guys have to be very, very local when it comes to where you're getting a lot of your food because you guys don't have giant freezers to store a lot of stuff in. So what you're doing is you're going to the market that day. You're picking out all the vegetables. You're picking out all everything you're going to be using meat-wise um, to use on the food truck for the day. And you have to make sure you buy enough to feed. You know, maybe you have a heavy day of people, or maybe a lot of it goes to waste because you know you don't have that many customers. And depending on your location too, like you're in Wyoming, so so I for us it's a lot different than say big city trucks. I mean, I grew up in Phoenix. And, um, you know, very familiar with Los Angeles and Portland and um, large city scale uh, mobile vending. And so it all has its different realms of what it does, like here in Wyoming, because grocery stores are few and far between and um, the growing season is short. So local producers have a high summer season. Um, we actually kind of on the forefront of helping to grow the mobile vending scene here in Wyoming, where our population is really low, uh, you know, in most big cities, food trucking can be really cutthroat. Uh, the competition is stiff. People vie over places to go and events and fees and just, it's gnarly. Yeah, um, you would think that in a business that's supposed to be providing like food and I guess comfort for others, um, you, you know, you said it best even on your page, soul food. I love that. I love that word because there is some food that I swear when you eat it, it feels like it touches a bit of your soul. That is our goal. People often say, what's your secret? And I just say, it's love. It's passion for what we do. And it's real love that you. Well, it, you're level headed too. Like even just talking to you, like it was in like the, the first interpretation, like, yeah, let's, this is insane. Like that whole, that vibe is something that a lot of people are lacking in the world. We're all very, you know, like, you know, 
robotic minded, I would say, as people. But when you're talking about the cutthroat business part of the food truck industry, that's with every single restaurant industry, and especially in larger cities, is because they're so disconnected. Even though there's so many people around them, they're very, very disconnected. I had a, a person that owned a food truck on. His name's Vinny. Shout out to Vinny Silva uh, with Steak and Subs. And um, he was telling me about the hardest thing was he would have people that come to him as a new food truck owner and be like, you're on my turf. Don't be, I don't want to see you around here on my street selling to my people. It's like, I get it. If you're a business owner and you're trying to mark your territory and have everything, but isn't the world supposed to be spread with different types of flavors? And that's why we're all created kind of uniquely different. Absolutely. And there is, uh, you know, it's certainly there's a little bit of uh, mob boss mafioso mentality that goes into food trucking in big cities for damn sure. Um, here in, you know, where we live, uh, Sheridan is the unofficial food truck capital of Wyoming. Uh, we have 17 mobile vendors and everybody is really supportive of one another. You know, we get, we're now to the point where there are two taco trucks and two styles of burger trucks and, um, you know, different kinds of pizza to choose from. But even those different factions are supportive of one another. So last year, when we had an opportunity to buy a commercial property um, that was really too big for us, but it was affordable, we were like, what can we do to contribute to the well-being of our entire industry in our region? Um, as regulations change and things get more expensive, uh, you know, so we were happened to be sitting on quite a bit of equipment. Uh, and so we bought this building and we built a community commissary. So we built this big, giant, beautiful kitchen that has walk-ins, refrigerators, freezers, multiple stoves and ovens and workspaces. And not only do we use it, but we lease it to our other local mobile vendors. Um, so instead of, you know, we are all in competition with each other, but it's kind of fun on a Monday, we all roll in here to the commissary and my friend Maxwell with Fired Up, he'll be like, hey, Anto, I'm going to make a pastrami. He's from Buffalo, New York. So uh, he's, you know, he runs his New York food. He does his beef on whack and his steak hoagies and stuff. And um, we do Southwest style cuisine and another guy that does barbecue. But we all just talk about food love and what we're going to take out to our clients. And then we shout each other out, too. We'll be live on Facebook here in town, we'll be like, hey, we're parked over here with burritos, but if you're looking for this awesome thing, Max has got it, and Hetty's Pizza's got this, and it really encourages our community to just come together and make a choice to go visit a mobile vendor today instead of a brick and mortar. There's um, no there's no I in team, right? I think we lost that somewhere along the way as people. I mean, I'm, I might be 22, but I've started to notice a lot of things about the world, mostly in heavily dense populations, like you were saying, giant cities having more of a cutthroat style to them. It's because when let's, 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 let's let me let me use this example. I might be able to help. If you take a fish tank, maybe some feeder fish, about 200 fish feeder fish are in that one tank. Okay, the stuff you would feed to bigger fish. Those 200 fish. Um, you, you just, you're, you know, someone's looking at the tank. You're just, they, they don't know who they're looking at. They're looking at everybody. They're not looking at you specifically. They're looking at everybody. So then everyone feels like they're not being heard. Everyone feels like they're not being noticed and everyone feels like they're not going to have a mark. That's what you see in giant cities. Everyone feels like another statistic, another person, another cog in the machine. But when you go into an open countryside or you go into an open um, land, like Wyoming is not as heavily dense as a New York city or something. You guys are so 
knit, I guess, neatly spread out a little bit. You guys still come in contact with each other, but there's no cutthroatness to it because you're all trying to do the same thing and create an organization. It's really a community, not really, I guess, the isolation type style that we've been living as people for so long. I mean, that reflects in so many different things into our mindsets, into our physical wants, and ends up creating a world of depression where we don't even want to get out of off the couch and experience a food truck. We're going to fucking Uber eat. I have a really big problem with Uber eats because I wish I had it when I was a kid so I could order from any menu I wanted, but I was stuck to a Domino's pizza list. Right. I, uh, the Uber Eats for myself as both a mother of young kids and having been a foodie child was like, oh, we could have got Chinese and pizza and this at the same time. But <laughs> on a realistic note, I had a mom who was great and she always made us all kinds of interesting foods from comfort, you know, meatloaf to crazy Indian with naan. Uh, but that's an experience. I think the thing with Uber Eats and obviously right now, wherever everybody should be self-quarantining, it's good to be getting your food delivered to you. Uh, back in what seemed like the normal world just two weeks ago, uh, we love having people come out to see you or being able to roll to special events and soccer fields and uh, you know, having a mobile kitchen. One of my biggest philosophies with that was that we could do business where we wanted to, when we wanted to. We weren't stuck at some brick and mortar on the corner of First and Smith Street, you know? So uh, being able to roll food to the people is my favorite thing about food trucking. Well, even my guilty little pleasure I like to do when I like to prefer, honestly, a gas station meal. I know that sounds ridiculous, but there's just a lot more being connected than there is in the average day. You know, when you go to a restaurant, yeah, the waiter and waitress is there to talk you up and have a conversation, but it doesn't feel like it's actually wanted. You know what I mean? When I'm yeah. able to go pay for gas, like, can I get $20 on pump three? The guy's like, oh, man, you're on pump four, dude. And I'm like, oh, well, can I just get it on four? I'm sorry about that, man. And he goes, oh, it's all good, man. And um, he's like eating a quesarito or something. I'm like, that looks delicious. Can I have one of those? He's like, yeah, you know, there's right over there, man, like $2.95. I'm like, sweet, let me get three of them. Next thing you know, you're having a conversation with the guy and you meet a whole new friend. That's something you used to get at a restaurant. That's something you and your family used to go down and sit and have a meal together and enjoy the atmosphere of a restaurant. But that got taken away because people don't want to really kind of associate anymore, only because it just seems like it's too tasking. We'll do self-checkout. We'll do self-orders. It's easier for convenience, but not really when it comes to communication, you know, yeah, like it really has made for a great breakdown in people's ability to just be human to one another. Uh, if anything positive comes out of this time frame of, uh, you know, self-isolation, I think like there's a million funny memes out there about it, but so many people are like, dude, my wife has brown hair, like, <laughs> you know, because they get up in the morning and they do the soccer mom drill and they take the kids to school and they go to their office or their job or their wherever it is. And they follow the sports schedule and the set meal by Rachel Ray and they come home and they cook and they got the blah, blah, blah. And everybody's doing their stuff and the kids are on their tablets and dad's watching the TV, but they're not actually engaging with each other. And this point in time is actually making people say, I have to engage with my family, with my children. Um, and hopefully, like we've been seeing, at least in a small town, 
with your neighbors where you're reaching out to say, Hey, you know, we, uh, we have some elderly neighbors and I told them I, you know, health wise, I really wish you guys wouldn't go to our local Walmart. Um, you know, if I can bring you groceries, if we can bring you something, I will. Um, and they've been responsive to that. So, uh, we have a lot of volunteer groups in our community that are stepping up to make sure that kids that, um, you know, aren't at school are still getting meals and, things are getting taken care of. But I think that this situation is really going to be a test uh, on overall humanity, you know? Um, so what, at 22, you were barely, what, a baby in 2011? Or in, yeah, at 9-11. That was the last time I can remember that our country actually was like, slow your roll for a second. Well, even what we're dealing with now, it's a Y2K situation. That's what's happening. Everybody's going to the store, stocking up on toilet paper. I can't even wipe my ass. Like, right? it's... it's <laughs> It's it kind of sucks, but you know it's panic buys of what people are doing. This is going to blow over. I'm I'm pretty sure pretty soon. I I think it's a little bit out of control, but I think if people are taking it a little bit way too serious than it is. But the main damage I'm starting to really really see is with local businesses. Um, oh, you know, absolutely. Mom and pop restaurants. You probably noticed your businesses may be changing a little bit only on the concept of people are afraid to get where their food's coming from. I mean, we've always had a worry of sanitation, but. McDonald's is still open. Burger King's still open. I guarantee you half those people don't wash their hands after they take a piss. But for a mom and pop shop that has to close down the people that actually take care of like their cleanliness, like yourself that tries to make sure that, you know, you're up to FDA standards. And you're, first of all, you understand that like, Oh, we're feeding the public. We're not going to be slops. We're going to take care of everything, make sure everything's properly sanitized. I mean, how's that affecting your business? It's major. I mean, it's a huge impact. We've certainly, uh, you know, seen at least a 60% drop. And, you know, I have two full-time employees where we don't necessarily have full-time work right now, but we're trying to put together some options for how can we make sure that you're going to be able to pay your rent. You're going to be able to do, uh, you know, make your bills and do that kind of stuff. It's, uh, you know, for us last week when the real sort of uh, hysteria started and of course the government saying, hey, you have to do this. Um, our main source of income is from our catering, from special events. And, uh, you know, springtime is when the home show is and the women's conference and the dudes that come in for the turkey hunting and all these gatherings that were supposed to be, you know, hundreds up to 1500 people where we would generally provide food for. So just last week, we saw a $7,000 negative impact in our bottom line, where it was like, hey, here you go. It was not going to happen. Uh, so you really do start to worry. And I personally, as a small business owner and an employer, are super concerned about the impact on small business. I mean, small business is 49% of all employers in the US is somebody who owns a small business. And be that your mom and pop restaurant or your lawn service or your, you know, self-owned HVAC company that has 150 employees. It's still a small business. It's not Microsoft or Amazon or somebody that's going to get a bill out, you know? Uh, so it's a concern to say, what do you do? I mean, are they going to come get everybody's mortgages at one time? I don't yeah. think so. It's, 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 it's really just the mass hysteria. And first of all, the, the things that you're doing to keep people safe is actually making it a little bit worse when it comes to just being financially stable. Um, Robert Dumont, a guy who owns a uh, farm to table food truck, he goes and gets his local produce and all everything like that to be able to serve catering and do all these events, much like yourself. Um, 
it becomes a problem because everybody's afraid to go outside and everybody's afraid to get the air or anything of that type of thing that's going to be contaminated, which turns to people that are trying to do farm to table type food styles it makes it extremely difficult because people are like, you got it from a farm, but did you know that's where the farm, that's where the infection spreading, that's where this is spreading. It's like, hang on a second, hang on a second. Let's not overreact here. You know, we're doing a lot of crazy things where a processed meal now is the best option compared to an actual restaurant that's cooked by a chef. That is becoming a very big issue. Because like with the virus itself and what we know of how to treat it, you know what I mean? People that are getting better. One, there's not a cure. Antibiotics aren't fixing it. People are getting better from the good old fashioned cold. And that requires base nutrition. So, you know, we've been telling people, hey, we're supposed to be launching our, our brand new, a second food truck in mid-April. It's likely going to be delayed till at least May at this point. Because uh, the guy that owns the vinyl wrap company isn't currently open because his families and employees have to stay home. But uh, we still have a juicer. So I'm like, <laughs> when everybody does get sick, like we're in the very beginning stages right now. But if you start needing real solid nutrition, um, I'm gonna make vats of chicken noodle soup and you know fresh juices so people can real health improve their lifestyle. It's like, God forbid, don't go get freaking McDonald's. Well, that's becoming the option because it's like, oh, that's still open. You know, a processed yeah. burger, everything's super processed. When I walk into the grocery store at six o'clock in the morning when Walmart opened up, literally I went down the cereal aisle and all, you know what was left? All the healthy cereal. You know what was gone? Fucking Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes. You're not going to be able to fight a virus if you're infecting your body with just really bad processed sugars and foods. You need to look to the local produce. I'm a like a health nut, okay? I work out all the time. I'm always eating healthy. I went down the produce aisle. I never have a problem because nobody wants a cabbage and nobody wants this type of stuff, but everybody's- Today, I literally went and bought pounds and pounds of beets and carrots and asparagus and broccoli. It's like, I'm going to take all that stuff home and blanch it. Put it in the freezer. We'll be good to go. <laughs> okay. Gotta go to your house. Oh my God. Sounds amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. Anytime, man. The... What do you typically serve on your menu? Like walk me through it. Cause I'm, I'm curious. Cause I know your page says burritos and then has a picture of a donut. So I'm wondering how you incorporate this. So, um, our food truck itself has this beautiful display window below the service window and um, be, having been a pastry chef and things like that, last uh, summer, we actually won Food Network's top 50 food trucks uh, for our bomb ass burritos, which are all, they're a two pound burrito um, filled with local fresh organic um, salsas, locally sourced meats, farm fresh eggs, uh, all kinds of goodness like that. So bomb ass burritos are kind of our signature item. And um, of course, then we wanted to be able to offer vegetarian and vegan options. So we throw that in there too, with lots of fresh veggies and interesting dishes. Uh, like I said, lots of gourmet donuts. That's one of our, if you look through our Instagram page or Facebook, there's lots of beautiful foods because you got to have the sweet treat. Um, but then on the flip, like this, this week right now, people are stuck at home with their kids. So we got a gourmet mac and cheese. We have a roasted vegetable and quinoa bowl with portobello mushrooms and um, feta cheese, a strawberry field salad, lots of fresh berries and vinaigrettes. It's all over the place. We just try to say, hey, here's some really good, here's six really good things. And uh, if we get a lot of demand for people on something particular, we throw that in there too. 
Uh, of course, yesterday was, you know, St. Patty's Day and nobody's going out to the pub. So I sold 40 pounds of corned beef and cabbage yesterday and I could have sold 80. <laughs> so, Do you feel uh, like um, you typically prioritize your menu based on vegetables, based on meats? I mean, I, I like a nice vegetable burrito, but I'm a big meat fan when it comes to like a nice chicken or beef burrito. Right. It's about a 50-50 split. We do, um, you know, if I'm doing all, all of our, our meats are 100% locally sourced, uh, like our sausage and stuff from last year, we actually raised a giant pig named Big Pig and um, tried not to give him like a name name, but they still becomes a, a fan favorite. Uh, but all of our breakfast sausage is 100% a pig that we raised on food scraps from our business. So we know where it came from, where it was sourced, that had no chemicals, no weird hormones. Uh, and then he was loved through his entire process, you know? Um, we support a local agricultural beef producer called Truly Beef. Um, and they're a young couple uh, in their late 20s uh, who really wanted to get into sustainable agriculture and providing beef for people so they knew where it came from. Uh, you know, your average package of ground beef at Walmart uh, can have the DNA of up to 300 cows in a single pound of ground beef. That's kind of scary to me. So <laughs> I like knowing that my ground beef was a single cow from a single origin. Um, you know, and then veggies, like I said, we, I love all the veggies. Our, our veggie bowl today has portobello mushrooms, uh, kale, quinoa, purple cabbage, yellow summer squash, zucchini, sweet bell peppers, and garnished with a green olive and feta. So it's got a lot of good stuff in there. Is that popular for your area or is it more, new? I guess, unique to the area? Because I know some people that do like a, a vegetable food truck in like Tennessee or something where it's like, well, that's not what you would think Tennessee would go for. But surprisingly, it's like a change to an environment. They want to try something new. I mean, we're living in this lifestyle now where everybody's trying to eat healthy. And it's like the options keep changing all the time. First, it's all, you know, it's like Adkins, you can't have carbs. And then next thing you know, it's like all fat diet. Then now it's like turning into this vegetable diet. And now it's turning into this meat diet. It's like, it's going so flip floppy. How difficult is that on a business for you? I mean, you're out in Wyoming. So that's a lot of- It's crazy. And this is definitely meat country. I mean, uh, you know, if, if people are going to eat beef, they want to know that it's good beef. Uh, but we do, you are seeing a lot of people headed towards that healthier trend of wanting to try alternatives. Um, you know, they're not quite into jackfruit and tofu yet, uh, but we do have a number of vegetarian and vegan um, people. And then, you know, we get the occasional cowboy where you're like, dude, try out this toasted quinoa bowl. Like, I know you can't even say that word, but. He's like, what the hell's a quinoa? <laughs> Yeah, they, <laughs> there's a. You should listen to the ways that you can pronounce quinoa, the quinoa, uh, <laughs> all the all the weird ones. Um, but they like it when they I eat think, it. They like I, it. I think quinoa was something my grandpappy told me about when he fought in the war. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, we've uh, seen quite an influx in our region. We actually had a really interesting in the last two years. We've had some major manufacturers move into our town. Uh, Weatherby Rifles out of California moved here and moved about 150 families with them. And so with the large influx of uh, Californians, there was a, a surge in people looking for uh, literally what they call a California burrito, 
They wanted to have brown rice. They wanted to have kale. They wanted to have tons of avocados. Uh, they want grilled Baja shrimp. And because I grew up in the Southwest, I'm, I can serve that market. And so we've been really lucky uh, to be flexible, to have a real passion for food and want to meet people's demands. Uh, and like I said, I'm a, a multi-generational also, you know, gardener, rancher, et cetera. And my 30-year-old daughter uh, became a vegan a year ago for a number of reasons. Um, and while I personally could not be a vegan, I admire what she's doing. And so making an effort to be more educated about alternatives for oils and fats and cheeses and because God, I love dairy. There's, you're never going to get me to quit eating cheese. Like, <laughs> I'm not a cheese fan, but I'm an egg fan for sure. I don't know what it is about, you know, a nice scrambled egg or something. As long as there's no ketchup on it. If you put ketchup on it, I basically don't like you. There you go. I don't like ketchup on scrambled eggs either. Because you're, a you're a normal person. You're not a psychopath. And I appreciate that about you. Yeah. If I had to ask you, what is your favorite meal? Like your, 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 your mind meal, your little guilty pleasure, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I would have to go two directions. Cause I have a very split palate. Um, I love, love, love a good ceviche. Give me some fresh shrimp and some lime juice and some cumin and some salt. And I will eat ceviche all day long until it pops. <laughs> That's like, lo absolutely love it. But on the flip side of that, um, chocolate, a flourless chocolate cake, something with a lot of ganache where it's just pure velvet ecstasy is the best. Now, okay, so are you more of a dessert fan or are you more of just a regular meal fan? Like I find like a nice burrito is good for me. But honestly, like things I haven't, I mean, I've been eating salads for like seven years straight. So like, I like having a little bit of like maybe a side of mashed potatoes, a nice like slice of pizza or something. It's a, those little treats are pretty fucking good. So, you know, here, because I would like to say that, you know, uh, we mostly eat from our other local food trucks. Uh, if you watch much of our story, you'll be like, what do food truckers eat? And in Sheridan, it's other food truck food. And it's because we're really lucky to have some gourmet food truckers. Uh, our friends at Hetty's Pizza make the most amazing, organic, beautiful, beautiful little pizzas. That's my guilty pleasure. They make this one that has walnuts and green olives on it. So good. Sounds delicious. How do you usually come up with your ideas or recipes? I mean, besides maybe doing it on the types of things that are going on, but like if you're going to cater an event, do you look at the type of event you're catering for and then try to decide options on what would go best for them? We do. We offer fully customized um, menus. It's kind of funny because if you look at our, on our website, on the catering page, uh, there's some pretty heavy, like vegan, vegetarian, along with some other fun stuff. Uh, but I really talk to clients about what are they celebrating? Is it a birthday, a wedding, an anniversary? Uh, try to find out what, what their favorite foods are and how can you put a spin on that? Uh, we did a late Christmas party this year for a local doctor of ours. And you know she didn't have her holiday party till almost the end of January. And they were trying to think of you know your classic Christmas party dinner, prime rib, mashed potatoes, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, come on, you guys, let's do something different. Everybody's already prime ribbed out. They've had all that stuff. It happened to be two days out from Chinese New Year. 
And we don't have much of a great selection for Asian food in our region. Um, and it happens to be something I can cook really well. And so we threw a Chinese New Year party with dumplings and wontons and a fun live action stir fry station. And people were so ecstatic to have a different type of cuisine and also produced live. Uh, it was fun to see all like the husbands um, around here, you know, coal miners, construction guys who were like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, you take that bowl and you fill it with all these awesome vegetables and then you either choose rice or noodles and I'm gonna stir you up this cool dish. And you could tell that it was most of their very first time at a live action food station in which someone was going to prepare something different for them that they had never had. So that was exciting. That's why like uh, Sakura and all those sushi places are so fancy and so awesome because like it's like they're cooking up the food right in front of you. Like the guy's got the knives, he's doing the flips, and then you see the onion volcano, a little fire that shoots out of it. Everyone loves to see their food get cooked. That's why cooking shows are really popular too. But what I think it's so interesting is when you own a business in this world today, you got to capitalize on social media so much now. And I think what's really interesting about yours, you know, compliment to you is the fact is you're very, very down to earth person. Like you're very, very connected a lot. Like I've seen some of the videos that you put up on, you know, your Instagram page and everything, but you, you, you don't get too big for your britches. I would say somebody would own a food truck and then immediately get that cutthroat personality, but it takes a lot of, you know, people to, I don't know. It's, it takes very few people. I should say not a lot that to keep that leveled head, to keep that cool, to keep that down to touch earth. Like I'm on the same route as you. I might have a lot of culinary experience, but you're a person, I'm a person, let's be people. That is the type of mentality that will get far today because so many people now we're so disconnected from our food, not only from where it comes from or you know where how it's made or what's in it or all these types of things, but the people behind it. You're so used to some dude in a glove handing you a, a cheeseburger through a drive-through menu. You're not used to someone actually sitting there being like, "How's your day going?" You're like, "What? What? What did you just ask? Do I have to pay extra for this? Like, I know the ice cream machine's broken, but is this something like you're trying to fix me because I'm broken?" And the guy's like, "Do you want a happy meal? You want you want a toy with that?" You're like, "Is it extra? Like, it's extra, but I'll be more than happy to talk to you." You're like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> The, uh, well, I, I have a reputation for being real. That is my, uh, if you watch me long and hard, uh, I have a crazy thing for, for eyelashes. Um, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. So there's been periods in my life where I've had zero eyelashes. Um, and I just kind of like them. It makes me feel pretty, but I can also totally be my 100% real self, uh, straight out of bed. And, uh, Really recently, I got named our local small business person of the year, which was so humbling and gratifying, and it just blew me out of the water. But it instantaneously opens you up for like the general public to just randomly be like, hey, are you okay? You look tired today, or you look whatever. Uh, I had this super nice old lady tell me that I just basically didn't look good, and it's because I didn't have makeup on or eyelashes, and she's like, I'm so used to seeing you on video. And, I wanted to be like, obviously, you know, watch the ones where I wake up and I'm like, hey, this is real Anto. How are you doing? Today? Don't you just love those backhanded compliments? I don't know. I've got a few of those in the, like, I guess in my years, just when, like, you know, you wake up, you feel good. You feel amazing. You put on like a nice new shirt and you feel like brand new. You walk out the front door and someone's like, are you okay? You look really sick. You look tired. And you're like, well, fuck you too. Like right? <laughs> I was feeling amazing. And now I'm just feeling like I'm ill. 
Yeah, I had to like, I literally had to go out to my car and, and make a post about it. Cause I was like, I'm not gonna let this lady take me down right now. I'm just gonna let everybody know that it's okay to be your genuine and authentic self, whatever that is. Whether you're a harried mom with three kids in the grocery store or you're a freaking supermodel or you're the crazy food truck lady, you know? Well, <laughs> so. it's like we live in this world of standards and the standards, like everybody has to have a six pack, everybody has to be model looks, everyone has to be going out like it's gonna be a five star dining experience. And it's like, it's not always that we're people. Okay. You don't wake up, you know, makeup is the one thing I really don't like about a girl. Cause I feel like they're tricking me. I, <laughs> I, maybe that's me as being an idiot, not paying attention to detail, but like, I, you know, past girlfriends, I'm like, Oh, she's amazingly hot. When I saw her in school, then after like, you know, I'm hanging out with her and the next day she like wakes up. I'm like, Whoa, 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 you, you have a frat. coyote ugly where you chew your own leg off because you're like, shit. It's like, shit, you have, yeah. a you have a freckle on your face. She's like, yeah, I have tons of freckles. I'm like, I didn't see that yesterday because I was wearing makeup. And you look at the pillow and the pillow's covered in makeup. You're like, oh, I have been tricked. I have been lied to. Yeah, don't, don't date the girl who doesn't wash her face before she goes to bed. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, that's a big warning I should have looked at. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like it's, I uh, like to the standards thing. I've, um, I've, in varietal times in my life, I uh, have had certain sets of standards, which I felt were like necessary. And then life will sometimes take you down a few notches and teach you that a different par of excellence is okay. And, you know, realizing that of course life is short. Um, all of our days are numbered. None of us are guaranteed anything beyond, uh, you know, today for that matter. It's like, what's important to you right now? Your family, we should all make health a priority. Uh, when you're eating well and taking care of yourself, you automatically start to look better, feel better, act better. Uh, you you're know, just better. Look- That's what it is. You're just better. It's yeah. everything. I'm a big nutrition nut. And like, if you just eat a little bit healthy, you can have an occasional sweet treat or something. It's not going to deter you, but eating like shit constantly fueling your body with crap, it's going to make you feel like crap. It's not, you know, it's that common response. I'm surprised it took people for so long to figure that out. Like, man, I've had diabetes like twice already. And uh, I keep eating these cheeseburgers. And it's like, well, stop eating McDonald's. And why don't you slow down a little bit? Like, enjoy Food used to be for enjoyment. Food used to be like love, used to be care, used to be all these things. Now we do it as a task to get it over with. Now it's like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's not convenient. To lose weight or stay low carb or do, uh, for a little bit, we were really kind of catering right after the first of the year to everybody on the keto diet, you know? But the more I started researching the keto diet, and so now I'll say it's keto friendly, but it's not keto strict. Like it's still gonna have a little bit of sugar and a little bit of salt and a little bit of the things that make it freaking taste good. And if you just eat it in, uh, you know, moderation, like here's a portion, not a giant plate full, then you're going to be okay. You know, uh, there's no magic bullet out there to just fabulously look amazing and lose 50 pounds in a month. You have to work at it. It takes nutrition. It takes exercise. It takes Wait, lifestyle conditioning. You're, you're telling me hydroxy cut doesn't work? Right? <laughs> that was a big thing back in the day. People were taking those hydroxy cut pills thinking it was going to cut them down immediately. I'm like, no. 
I don't think so. Yeah, but you will feel really good and speed it out. <laughs> yeah, because they have some pumped up freaking caffeine and drugs in them. You feel like you're wired. I can't go to sleep. I've been up for six days. I've lost so much weight. It's like, because you're not sleeping. Phenylalanine is great for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what would you say in your eyes is the biggest kind of obstacle you've come across or just the biggest kind of, I guess, the negative part in just your business in general, not maybe you per se, but just what you've discovered in the industry? Well, I would say industry-wide, there are two avenues of challenge and really two avenues in which mobile vendors pursue. Most mobile vendors fit into two categories. You're either an event vendor, which means you primarily run your truck for music festivals, large gatherings, farmers markets. Uh, you know, you're setting up for the big numbers. You do high volume in a short time frame, and you hope to take home some profits. Uh, and on that side of the business, it's mostly run by event coordinators, people who want to cut at your money. Like we vend at Sturgis at the Buffalo Chip every year. It's a huge venue, um, lots of captive audience. We also give 25% of our daily take to the guy who owns the facility. That's a lot. When your profit margin's 30% and you're gonna give 25 of it to someone else, you have to be able to do some serious volume to turn a dime. Uh, you know, and so there's those challenges and lots and lots of mobile vendors complain about event promoters and the fees. And then of course, you know, the weather, overbooking on trucks, everybody's got a problem and a solution to that scenario. And then you move on, especially out here in kind of what I call the Rockies, the West, the Central Midwest, outside of major cities, um, people are looking to establish their mobile vendor operation as a rolling restaurant. You are creating fans um, and getting people to come to your location. We park at a specific location, a specific number of days of the week. We have our stops like our local breweries. Um, and we, you really, really work on trying to create a fan base, people that want to come and eat with you on the regular, where you're wanting them to crave that bomb ass burrito where they need that $2 donut. You know, uh, we have a lady who eats our Honda chicken salad two days a week when we're on the street. And it's like, that's her regular Tuesday, Friday meal. Uh, and so you just, you're kind of looking to create that fan base. And then it's the challenge of, do you find a location? Who are you competing against? Do you have enough people? Uh, it's a, it's definitely a challenge because then there's all the regular brick and mortars that they know they can find every day anytime they want on the regular. Yeah, but I look at those food trucks as like little secrets, like those little gifts, like those random kind of miracles that come across like a, I guess seeing a shooting star or something. Like it just randomly, they pop up out of nowhere. At least every yeah. time I've come across one, I remember going to a gas station one time and there was just this broken down food truck in the back. I thought it was like just run down or something. No, there was a guy cooking in there. He was cooking up some chicken. And I went over and had a piece of it and I was surprisingly really, really enjoyed it. Like, you know, everyone looks at like, that's the big thing too, when you make a food truck and when you make any product in general is to catch somebody's eye, get somebody's attention. You can go super, super bland where someone's like, what the hell is that? Is that like a, I don't even know, like a pedophile van or something? Is that is it like, I'm yeah. scared to go up to it and approach it, but they, I smell burritos. And that's my dad said, if a guy ever offers you burritos, you get in the van, but <laughs> 
when you look at like um the crazy designs that people put on them like you know you have a light blue truck teal i would say um maybe like a sky blue i guess it's definitely turquoise it's teal on one side and on the other side it's fuchsia and coral and uh it's the one side of the truck represents the arizona flag like the mountains with the dish and spoon are my husband brian and i and on the flip side it's the arizona flag uh in alternative colors because we wanted to sort of rep that southwest vibe uh well it's very eye-catchy it's attractive to for people to look at they see it it pops out that's what you want people like our truck doesn't say burritos or donuts on it anywhere it just says bonafide which is a weird name we spent a year telling people that bonafide means real and genuine and now they actually get it. They're like, oh, are you bonafide? Yep, I'm bonafide. I the, think uh, <laughs> it was off of them, um, like when people used to say bonafide badass. Oh, that's that's interesting and a good one. It's actually my husband, Brian. Uh, he's a lifelong wrestler from upstate New York. And uh, we're watching, I, he, it's terrible to say, but he's not very well read. He was like, I didn't ever have to take a test. Girls did that for me. So we're watching, oh, brother, where art thou? And uh, when the little girl says, you're not my paraphernalia, so our daddy got hit by a train. She says, you know, well, is Wharton's bonafide? And Brian said, what does bonafide mean? So I Google it and I said, bonafide means real and genuine. And we were in the food truck concept design phase. And he was like, I like that. That's a different word. It's like, if I didn't know what it means, maybe other people don't know what it means. It's not just a different word. It's a different thing for people today to even grasp. Like being real and genuine. I mean, not a whole lot of people are real and genuine. You know, how many times do you get that question? Oh, how's your day going? While they're walking away from you, it's like, I'm not going to give you a response because you don't really care. We've created a world of default answers and disconnection. I think, you know, if you want to talk about the quarantine thing, if you want to talk about all these things that are going to bring us closer, it might for a week, it's not going to last because people are going to fall back into their old habits. We've been living this old habit lifestyle, at least a lot of people have been, of just being doing our thing, getting ourself a piece, doing this, doing this, doing this, all for us. You know, everything's got to be a competition. And that's just how the world has always kind of been for a while. But we have lost the initial thing of caring for one another and really trying to create promotion. The reason why I mean, a lot of the reasons probably why I get in a lot of trouble or I get in a lot of failures because I don't choose to climb to the top by stepping on the throat of somebody else, which is common, especially like if you deal with like podcasting or if you deal with anything business wise or just being an entrepreneur, if you're sitting there helping somebody, you're not getting everything for yourself. It's like you're giving yourself 25%, you're giving another person 25%, you're giving another person 25% and it just keeps on going until the 100% is just gone. But I, if I put 100% into myself rather than working on somebody else or helping someone else out, I can get way farther. But I don't see the benefit in that because I think we all technically matter. I care about everybody. You know, what really, like, if you treat me with respect, I give you respect. That is exactly how I've always lived my life. You don't talk down to me. I don't talk down to you. This is how we roll. And when that's real and genuine and brought into something, people- That's how I was raised. You have to, you know, you treat others as you wish to be treated. Uh, you know, I- have a very interesting split family history. My mom's family is 150 thoroughbred horse breeders. I owned a lot of real estate in Southern California and East Coast. And then my dad's family is 100% Native American from the reservation in Southern Arizona. Uh, 
you know, as poor as poor gets. And so my dad, when I was a kid in our catering company, and I'll, I'll never forget because my, my father's kind of a wild card. Uh, but he taught us that, you know, we could go from an evening of serving in the finest house in North Scottsdale and go right down. We would take the party leftovers and my dad would literally roll under a bridge in South Phoenix and throw up a table and hand out leftovers to homeless people. And we would see those same people in a four hour time frame, you know, to go from suit and tie to making sure that this guy, uh, you know, had some sustenance for the day. Yeah. And he always just used to say, we are all human beings and we are just one step away from the bottom if we don't care for one another. And so that mentality has stuck with me my entire life. And uh, whether it was mentoring fellow chefs in my kitchen, um, caring for my employees now as a, as a business owner or people that just happened to be in my employee uh, when I was a boss for major corporations, but just having a little bit of compassion for one another goes a tremendously long way. Yeah, you get to see videos of people now all over like YouTube or Facebook or something where hey, they're donating to, you know, a homeless person like a million dollars or trying to change their life by getting them a bunch of nice clothes, a bunch of nice food, a place to stay or something like that. There are people out there and I'm glad those videos are out there because it's showing people. Do I think it needs to be on video? No, but I think it opens up the world to how we should be. I mean, for so long now, now when we look at a homeless person, we just judge them. We just look at them like, oh, well, look at this guy. He didn't get his life together. Do you want to end up like that guy? It's like, whoa, 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 why don't we work together as people to try and bring each other up? I mean, if someone needs a sandwich, someone needs some money, just, you know, I'm not saying you have to donate, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to change anything. You can do it as a shameless action. Same thing yep. like, um, my, I could, my, my big problem with so much of that. And of course we have become a media world and I definitely spend a fair portion of my day on social media because it is the most affordable and economic way for me to reach my local market of people. Um, but I try not to, it's like, if you have to video and record yourself handing the sandwich to the homeless guy, I have a problem with that. We need it's gratitude. Like, That's the same thing I, I experienced at Home Goods. I go to Home Goods. There's a donation thing. You go. You want to donate that two cents left over to uh, save a starving child? I'm like, sure. Then they go and they grab the bell. And I swear to God, I want to toss it out the window because when they ring that bell, it lets everybody in the store know that you donated, and then everybody claps and gives you that little second of gratitude. I'm like, does anybody know it's two cents? Like, I get it. Like, hey, what's your two cents or something? That doesn't, that doesn't apply here. Two cents is not doing anything to help any of this stuff. It's nothing, okay? I, I, I should not be commended for this at all. I get upset with it because I'm like, that's what we've done as people. To do a good deed, we have to have a applaud. We have to be gratitude, and I don't like that. No, it should just be genuine. <laughs> I say, you know, there's certainly days where I'm like, hey, I'm feeling a little bit selfish today. And this is for me and me alone. And I've worked hard and I'm going to hang on to that, you know. Uh, but it's it's a 50-50 balance between I'm going to care for myself. I'm going to care for others. Uh, you know, in this situation right now, we've had a number of people who are like, we don't have enough. I'm worried that we don't have enough. And it's like, well, I'm not going to give you all of what I have. I will certainly extend the invitation to say, if you are in need, if you're hungry, we'll feed you. If you don't have X, we'll help take care of that. 
you know, uh, just to do our part that we can to be contributing to a positive outlook in the community. And with the going forward of people are like, what will you do if, and I said, I don't know what we'll do if, but we're going to do the best we can until we can't do it anymore. And we'll hope that this all blows over fairly quickly. And we go back to a normal festive fun summer full of farmer's markets and rodeos and summer days and lots of food sales. Yeah. I and mean, if you don't, then, you know, we'll figure out what to do next. Filled with beautiful burritos and donuts. Am I right? That's right. <laughs> two pound bomb ass burritos. Damn, two pounds. Yeah, we, we, the funniest, we once had a guy who comes in the truck all the time and he's a little bit of a nerdy guy. And uh, he gets his burrito and he's like super happy. Comes back to the truck like an hour and a half later. I'm like, hey man, how's it going? And he's kind of got this like secretive look on his face and he's like making sure that nobody else is like watching when he comes up to the window. And he tells my husband, Brian, he's like, Brian, Brian, and my window girl, Amanda, he's like, you guys, I just wanted you to know, you know, you advertise a two pound burrito. But when I went home and weighed my burrito, it only weighed one pound, 0.87 ounces. <laughs> Close was, enough, dude. Holy shit. That's I was, still a lot. I was like, yep, short that 0.2 of an ounce there, bro. The, uh, <laughs> and I said, we don't actually weigh the ingredients. We just have a pretty good guesstimate. Considering the fact that most people get our burrito and are like, ugh like a baby you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's like i don't think you want anything more than that sitting inside your colon for very long holy yeah, crap it's just funny because he was like you you should know that it wasn't quite two pounds so i would have been like hey sheldon from the big bang theory thank you for that input yeah well we were just like next time we'll make sure to weigh that for you bro have a good day <laughs> I'm telling you, people, I mean, like I said, that's just someone trying to get something for free or do something. I experience that all the time in any type of business, especially like a hotel or something. Like, I stayed the night here and uh, it wasn't as comfortable. It's like, yeah, but you stayed the night. Like, why didn't you just say it earlier so we could have fixed the problem? They're like, oh, well, you're not going to compensate me for the night? It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I hope you have a wonderful day. And then you just stare at them and think of ways to hurt them in your head. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, Anto, I really appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast. I know it was kind of difficult getting it set up and getting a day narrowed down, but I'm glad we could do it. And I'm glad that before I did this podcast with you, I watched a video of you toss a burrito at a young man sitting in a truck. The, uh, thank you. You have to follow Brady McLean at Go Fast, Don't Die. Uh, he and I took a motorcycle trip to Bali and we survived. Nobody died. Uh, on another day, I'll tell you about how I got lost in Bali and rode all the way across the country on a motorcycle that I couldn't touch the ground on and got back. <laughs> but this has been a blast, man. I love um, staying tuned into your podcast. We'll be sure to share this, hopefully get you some more followers. And I really just enjoy listening to your uh, talking to people all over the country. So thanks for what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast and stay tuned for our next episode.